the arbiter of what's cool for me. And I can only, you know, I can only talk about that sort of thing. But here's what I'll tell you. I think it's crop top summer. (laughs) This is We Have Concerns. Hi, Jeff Kanata. Hi, Anthony Carboni. Hello, concerned citizens. Anthony, let's talk a little neuroscience, shall we? Sure. Let Brent lay it on me. I love a little neuroscience. Uh, I was intrigued, as I often am, by an article that was posted in our Discord in the Cool Science News channel by mm-hmm. the one, the only, Cahoots himself, Jeff Engelstein. Oh, of course you were. Of course you were intrigued it's by it. High quality. By yeah. your friend's by your friend's story. High he's quality constantly posting. It's not my fault that he is also my friend, but posts high quality stories. This is Hey, can I tell you uh, this is this is aside from your fucking whatever filthy lucre you're getting in in terms of free board games from your friend <laughs> for doing these stories. But uh I want to I also want to say uh, I think Cool Science News as a channel name sounds like a bunch of narcs are hanging out there. There's something about is it too on the nose. Th- I think the Cool Science. I think Cool Science News sounds like a handout that your sixth grade teacher gives you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Cool Science News pamphlet, the newsletter. Yeah, <laughs> like I might, like I might just change it to Science News because Cool Science News sounds like somebody's going to try to buy weed from you there and then arrest you. Yeah, it doth protest too much, is what you're saying. It's it's trying too That's hard. What a, yeah, if you're unfamiliar with our Discord, this is uh, this is the online community we have where everybody comes and hangs out, talks about all kinds of things. We have a cool science news channel, uh, patreon.com slash we have concerns if you want to find out more about that. But uh, yeah, cool science news, I think, just sounds like, I don't know, my mom's trying to get me to read or a cop is trying to arrest me. I, if I'm not mistaken, you named it. I don't think I did. It might have been, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I think it might have been one of our delightful mods who who do so much uh, work and, and we appreciate so much. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe I called it, it could have been me. I could have called it Cool Science News is like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Like, doesn't this sound dorky? But over time, <laughs> the irony of it has disappeared. Now it's just a Cool Science <laughs> News channel. And now I feel like, I don't know. There's like a, there's like a, I've been given a pamphlet with a dinosaur on it that's going to try to tell me why I have to go to bed at 8 p.m. <laughs> Luckily for you, I'm that dinosaur in this case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So here, let me tell you about this story. This is fascinating. This is a a couple of neuroscience. uh, It's an article in the Atlantic, and it's about a couple Mm -hmm. of neuroscientists from the uh, from Columbia University. Oh, I read this. I read this. This great. So you'll you'll be up to date. So I find this fascinating. The idea here is that we have thought for a long time that. Neurons in the brain fire when we get mm-hmm. impulses. This is something that has been observed. If yeah. you smell the smell of freshly cut grass, the little neurons that are in your brain that associate with freshly cut grass smell fire. And that's how your brain right. goes. Oh, I recognize that. It's freshly cut grass. Right. And this is, uh, the, this, the, they tend to be in, in clusters. It's not just like a right. neuron. It's like a right. cluster of like anywhere from like 10 to 15 neurons. Usually when you, when you smell something yes. that go like, that's the smell, my dude. And the, that's the what smell, they say. Smell in particular is handled in the piriform cortex region of the mm-hmm. brain. And the conventional wisdom here would be that those whatever in whatever way in one ineffable way the brain works, those mm-hmm. particular McCavity. neurons get imprinted the first time you smell it or w- at whatever point you associate freshly cut grass with that 
particular sensation from your nose. And so your brain references that point. Those things flat. You get that same sensation in your nose. Those neurons flash. Your brain goes, oh, I know that association. That's freshly cut grass. And then you are able to identify particular odors. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out, based on the research of these neuroscientists at Columbia University, the place, the the specific neurons that fire can drift, can change over time. What they so, what they discovered was looking at the brain, measuring which neurons are firing, mm-hmm. and having the same smell repeated over days and weeks and months. It actually changes the this placement of the neurons, the cluster of neurons that are firing from the same stimuli actually shift place in the brain. So this is, we thought that once you smell something for the first time and you recognize it and you smell it and you go, oh, grass, there, whatever neurons fired when you first smelled it and took in that smell of grass, yeah. that from now on will be those are the grass neurons. Yeah, those are the smell. And that's how I you know when grass you're smelling neurons, grass. Those fire, your brain goes, oh yeah, because those fire, that's how I know that that's that. But it turns out, these scientists uh, looked at some mice, a whole bunch of mice. Yeah, uh, and just they, looked at them. Didn't do anything weird to them, we promise. Just, they just took a, a quick look at these mice just to see what how they were doing, a quick check-in, like, hey, buddy, how are you feeling? But nothing weird happened to the mice, oh, we promise. there's a lot of weird stuff that happened to the mice. It, it took them a long time to figure out how to put a uh, sensor right on their brain to measure on their piriform cortex measure exactly uh see the hard part they had to put it right on they put it right on their little heads yeah they put this they put this it but it was on top no it was on top of their skulls no no and they had to figure out how to get the sensor just right where it would get this the the information from no oh boy no they had to implant the electrodes directly onto the brain and the hard part was because the whole point of this study was to see how it changes or evolves over days and weeks and months. They had to figure out a way to clamp it onto the brain so precise, so hard, Anthony, that it wouldn't mm-hmm. get jostled over the natural lifespan of the mouse. So that took him four years yeah. just for that. And just to invent the tiny brain staple gun yeah. to use on the tiny. But now they have a patent on the brain staple gun for mice. Yeah, it's it's one. One can only imagine the number of mice that were that did not survive the process between 2014 and 2018 when they developed this brain staple. Yeah, Ooh. they probably only they probably like probably took them like two tries. Yeah. So they developed a surgical technique like to implant the electrode directly on the mouse's brain that will stay in place that won't move because what could happen if they're measuring trying to determine if the neurons themselves are shifting if the Mm -hmm. sensor shifts it could appear as if the neurons are shifting but it's actually just the sensor shifting in place gotcha so this is a very tricky process they had to they had to glue the thing to the mouse and it had to be bad like i get it It like are they trying to convince real bad are they trying to convince me or are they trying to convince them at that point you know what i mean (laughs) yeah sounds like they're trying to convince themselves but once they succeeded in this back in 2018, it took them four years of stapling lots of mice brains. But once they mm-hmm. figured out how to do it, they found 
that there is something called representational drift that is happening. Uh, yep. That means that is that- the third Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> yeah, you can skip that one, by the way. If you want to see F9, oh, you don't need disagree. to. Oh, you think representational disagree. drift is essential? I think it's I think you really need to see the origin of Han. I think <laughs> I think you need to see I think you need to see uh uh look it's a Gaiden is what it is. Sure, it's a Gaiden. And just like in any other anime, which Fast and Furious is anime. Just like in any other anime, we're talking about Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift is not super important, but it's kind of important. I thought you were That's talking about representational drift, which is the Oh, uh, representational drift you can absolutely skip. <laughs> Good, thank you. Uh, so this is kind of blowing everybody's minds here because that shouldn't happen. If Basically, the idea is, to use a metaphor, mm-hmm. you show me something. You show me a picture of uh, a Fran Drescher, and I write mm-hmm. down on a piece of paper, Fran Drescher. Yeah. And then the next time you show me that picture of Fran Drescher... It's on a different piece of paper. So the whole oh, idea like you're would a magician. Be, so the whole idea would be I would look at that piece. You show me that picture again. Oh, I go. Oh, I know where I wrote that down right here on this piece of paper. Oh, yes. That's right. Fran Drescher. Got it. But what's actually happening is you show me Fran Drescher. It's somehow written on a different piece of paper now. OK, so we know. But we know, Jeff, that in. Certain parts of the brain, you know, uh, certain parts of the brain that are are responsible for for higher thought and memory and things like that. We do know that there is a certain amount of this representational drift already. We know that with complex information, you know, in places like the hippocampus and places like the prefrontal cortex, things like that, we know that sometimes that stuff does drift and it's decentralized and we've talked about that before is in terms of like hey that's kind of important for memory uh just so you don't get conked on one part of your head and forget all the important shit well that's right that they think because the hippocampus right is the Mm -hmm. memory center and that could be useful in as you said decentralizing memory but also making room for new information you know, if, yeah. if you're bringing stuff in, you got to make room. You got to push the Fran Drescher piece of paper over to the side and uh, have right. a new blank piece of paper you can write new stuff on. How much do you think about Fran Drescher every day? Oh, man. You don't? I mean, no, I do. But yeah. I want to know how much you think about Fran Drescher every day. I, I mean, enough that it's imprinted on my prefrontal cortex. I will say that for some reason, the YouTube algorithm, and this is not a joke, the YouTube algorithm has decided recently to show me a lot of Fran Drescher. Really? And nanny and nanny related content. I don't know why. I don't <laughs> know what I clicked on, but I'll tell you this. The algorithm isn't wrong. I had such a crush on Fran Drescher and I had <laughs> forgotten, not forgotten about it, but I had sort of like... It wasn't a part of my life, my day-to-day life anymore. And then the YouTube algorithm starts bringing it up to me again a few weeks ago. And I'm just like, fuck, man. Yeah, Fran Drescher. Can I tell God, you something? Fran Drescher is amazing. I, so I, I don't think I've ever watched a single episode of The Nanny. I was a little just aged wrong to watch The Nanny. But I old. do think. Yeah, old. Old is the answer. But I do think. <laughs> I do think there is a direct line. Like if you're a certain age, it's Fran Drescher. If you're a little older like me. It's Annie Potts. I think I think they are in the same sort of place. You know, they live in the oh. same sort of like Ghostbusters. S- what do you want? Yeah. 
sexy, yeah. sexy kind of abrasive, mm-hmm. but weirdly attracted to because An- mm-hmm. Annie Potts was my friend. Just director. say Jewish. Just say Jewish, Jeff. <laughs> You're sitting in front of a Jewish person. Just say Jewish. It's okay to be attracted to Jewish people. Yeah, I frequently am. Uh. <laughs> no, uh, so, but, but to go back to what you're saying, like, we thought that that was important for memory because we're constantly relearning things as we remember complex things. We're constantly making new connections when it comes to memory. But right. for sensory stimuli, it's kind of like, hey, man, once you smell grass, you've smelled grass. Exactly. So they, they thought you don't need that to this... relearn smelling grass. Exactly. Yeah. They, they thought this representational drift phenomenon was was confined to places in the brain that could tolerate that, right? And mm-hmm. the piriform co- cortex is not that. It's this sensory hub. It's the place where the brain is like making sense of things. It's not just trying to remember stuff. It's actually like associating like, oh, that equals this. This equals mm-hmm. that. It doesn't seem like being able to have that be fluid or plastic is useful in any way. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, uh, just thinking of it like... And trying to wrap my head around it, it almost seems like it would actually be detrimental, right? Because, you know, you go, you smell something and you get the neurons fire in the piriform cortex and then they try to move to the hippocampus and everything to make sense of it. But like, I don't know, imagine, imagine renaming a file, you know what I mean? In a project, if you, it's the same file, but you renamed it. How does... I don't know about your software, but like when I'm using software, if I if I change a file name or if I move a file, my whole project breaks. How does the brain not break if representational drift is happening in every region of the brain? Exactly. Exactly. That's the question that they're coming to terms with is, A, is this happening all over the place in the brain? Uh and how much is it happening? Basically, they, they talk about it, I love this. They talk about it as being the three F's. How fast does mm-hmm. it happen? How far how away does it get? Yeah. <laughs> and then the last <sighs> one is, how fucked are you? <laughs> oh, wow. It's how fast, how far, and how fucked. <laughs> I would have gone fast, furious, and family, but that's better. That makes more sense. Because <laughs> in the Atlantic article, they wrote, how fast does it go? How far does it get? And how dot, dot, dot bad is it? It's clearly fucked. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, is is that a concern? If if there's too much representational drift, we just lose stuff? Well, we clearly don't, right? Because right. you smell something, you know what it smells like. If you smell an apple, you know it's an apple for the rest of your life. Even though yeah. they say in mice, giving them the same smell daily, every day, do, 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 for months, by the end of the month, that same smell, they know what it is. But it is as different in the brain. The placement is as different in the brain as an apple to cut grass, right? Those two things, when you originally smell them, fire in completely different places in the piriform cortex. And over time, they're just as different. So it makes no sense. It makes no sense as to how the brain can even keep up with itself. And and something that that, that I initially asked myself, and then they, hey, excellent reporting, uh, in the Atlantic by Ed Young, because the moment I asked this question, boom, there it was in the next paragraph. But I was like, okay, but you're giving this mouse the same scent every day for a month. 
I mean, if it's only moving a little bit, some of those neurons are still the same. And like, maybe it's making like a moving chain of these neurons. And as long as one, st- you know what I mean? And they're right. like, it's not, but then they were like, oh no, no, no. That just makes it move less. If right. you smell an apple every day, if you go a month in between smelling an apple, it's all moved and it's in a totally new place and you haven't been smelling an apple to remind your brain all the time. Yes. It moves more when you're not exposed to it. Exactly. It moves less when you have like daily smells of the same thing can make it move less. It just it's so counterintuitive to any kind of organizational structure that no one exactly mm-hmm. understands why the brain would do this. <laughs> and it immediately makes me think of like, um, I don't know if you've dealt with this in, in your family or anybody you've known, but you know, my, my grandmother towards the end of her life had really intense dementia. Uh, but what was really interesting is she lived in the same house for 60 years mm-hmm. because she lived in the same house and saw most of the same people and did the same things every day. We did not know she had dementia. It was actually only when she was removed from her home because she was in physical, pro- she had physical issues and we had to move her into, into care when the dementia became obvious because wow. there was so many daily reminders and routines that I mean, I mean, I know this is like I'm completely I'm a layman pulling one reference and pushing it into something else, but it reminds me of that, right? Like that constant reminder, I don't know, means less drift, means less new connections in a way. Right. right. Yeah. I don't know. It, but it, it, it immediately well, makes sense to me because of that. Well, that's what's so exciting for these neuroscientists is that they don't know either. And they equate it to something like learning a new uh, phenomena in, in space, in the galaxy and going, Oh, that has to, we have to reorder our entire understanding of how things relate to each other based on this new observed phenomena. So what they're saying mm-hmm. is what we may be seeing here is just a, a lower level structural connection that the brain makes that we just haven't figured out yet. You know, that there is a, a underlying rule set here as to how the brain compartmentalizes stuff and we've just observed now the symptom of that, and we don't know what the cause is. Right. So we like we're at one we're at one level of understanding, right? We know yeah. like neurons fire, synapses carry, other neuron other neurons answer, you know, or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, we know that, and we're like, oh, that's that's what brain do. But it's entirely possible there's like what you're saying is there's it's entirely possible there's some other higher level functionality that we can't even see because we weren't looking for it. Exactly. That's what they're hoping for is that this is, this is just unlocking a deeper understanding of how the brain works. That it's not, you know, like so many things in physics and science in general, it's not, it doesn't mean that there's no structure. It means we've just discovered that the structure we thought wasn't the one that was in place. There's just different rules governing this. Uh, and it's fascinating. I mean, they're talking about it being like the ship of Theseus, right? It's like mm-hmm. over time, it's no longer what it was. It, it, it's the like ship of thing- Theseus is a famous theory created by Paul Bettany. If yes. you're not familiar, uh, <laughs> the actor and philosopher, right? Um, when he, yeah. he actually a- created it with himself is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> he's a, he's a treasure and I'll tell you what, we're just not, uh, we just don't respect him enough. <laughs> I agree. Uh, 
Bettany should be involved in this in some way, I believe. Bet, hey, he would be great. Bettany? Bettany, get in on this. Get in, get in, get in on this. Well, only only sci- scientists can only see Bettany when he's imaginary, though. <laughs> they can only see the imaginary Bettany, which he is start- where the ship of Theseus comes from. <laughs> I'm, he starts as a voice, and then he mm-hmm. becomes whole in some way. Yeah. Know. Paul Bettany, everybody. <laughs> I, I just find this whole notion really interesting that, and they, they seem to think, and they, they tried looking at it with the, the vision centers of the brain mm-hmm. in mice. And they found also the, played by Paul Bettany. <laughs> he's also, he's, <laughs> I walked into that one. I walked right into that. Uh, they find that it does not seem to happen nearly as uh, dramatically, although there is still some, representational drift there as well but it doesn't seem to happen like when you see something the same neurons fire more over a longer period of time and more consistently yeah i I, it's it's a really fascinating thing to think about because just over the last 10 years with i mean you think you think about it functional mri was what the 70s or the 80s yeah something like that so We've only really been been scanning the brain for about 40, 40 something years. Um, and we've only really been mapping the brain like the like the bigger brain mapping projects really only started about 10 years ago. Yeah, um, we're really. We are really in the dark when it comes to most of this stuff. Yeah. And you think about how they observed this originally You'd go and you'd, you know, hook somebody up or mice in this case mm-hmm. up to a sensor like this. You'd have Perfectly them safe. smell something. You'd see where it fired in the brain and you go, oh, it makes total sense. One plus one is two. You yeah. show them this. It fires there. Boom. That must be how it works. Great. We tested you- it in multiple mice. It's around the same area yeah. in all the mice. That's where my smell things. Exactly. That's how it do. And then you go, oh, well, if we record it over this progression, why would we even think to do that? Why would we even need to do that? It, it, it falls. It's this wonderful thing that, well, not wonderful. It's kind of problematic. But it's an obvious thing that happens in science where a solution seems to present itself. It mm-hmm. seems to explain all of the observed phenomena that you've gotten so far. And you go, oh, okay, one plus one is two. And you go, well, actually, in certain yeah. situations, one plus one is not two. And you go, well, well now we have answers, to redesign our Yeah, because it answers the question. The question that you asked was answered, right? And these studies were, when a mouse smells something, what region of the brain reacts to that smell? Right. That was the question. That was the study. And it goes, there it is. Yeah. And they didn't think to be like, well, over a six-month period, is it the same in exactly yeah. the same way? Not really. They tried it, uh, you know, they tried it for a small trial period, uh, and then they tried they tried it with a bunch of different mice to make sure it was in the same general area. Yeah, and they were like, "We found it. We found the place in the brain where smell." Yeah, we did it. It makes sense. I have right? no further questions. Yeah, well, it makes sense because also things just tend to work that way, right? If you have a place in your computer that does the graphics processing, that's the place in the computer that does the graphics processing, right? It just, right. it falls into our construction of how the world should work, you know? Our, our, our way of like using analogies 
like it, we use them in language, but the way we use analogies for everything when we're thinking yeah. is, is fascinating, right? Cause your brain's looking, it's like, it's trying to grip around something. It goes, how do I understand this? And, you know, we, we've talked before about how before computers, uh, people thought about uh, the human body as mechanical. Right. And before mechanical, they thought about the human body as as heat and cold and steam. And that's because that's what we had. Right. And but, so when you're when you're thinking in terms of those structures and that's the, that's your worldview, like that's the analogy that you put onto everything. Right. And it. It, the analogy can it holds up even in in that uh, framework. You go, the gear that does this is always going to be the gear that does that, right? It just right. it's it's that's the place where that happens. And he, this uh, neuroscientist said, you know, it's not even that this stable representation model was a theory. It was just assumed. It was just obvious to everybody. Like, oh, we observed it happening in a place. That's the place it happens. Why would it ever change? That makes no sense. And so he says, that's the real danger. He says, quote, mainstream neuroscience relies on taking very specific methods and results and packaging them in a vague cloud of concepts that are only barely agreed upon by the field. (laughs) He says, in a lot of neuroscience, the premises remain unexamined. Shots fired. (laughs) Yes. The premises remain unexamined, but everything else is impeccable. So it's like. It's all a house of cards, people. <laughs> we got to take more measurements Carl Schoonover here. went harder than he had to in the Atlantic. <laughs> Carl Schoonover was like, "Man, let me tell you the truth about science now that you're listening to me." Yeah. Now that you now that I have a study about mice that you respect, let me tell you a little something about science. It's trash. Well, I feel like I mean, I kind of said this before, but I, I I feel like we're used to this being the case in certain fields of science. Right. Mm -hmm. Specifically physics and and space, you know, the astronomy and and looking at how things behave in space. It feels like every few years they're like, well, I guess we don't have dark matter. I don't know. You know, everything is needs to be recalibrated. We think it's now we think it's mostly dark matter. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now we think it's a little bit of dark matter, but not as much as we thought. It feels like in in those. divisions of science things get recalibrated much more frequently and we're just sort of used to being like oh there i guess there's a new rule that underlies everything and we just haven't figured it out yet but it doesn't feel like neuroscience is that way but here's evidence that it is and another example of how little we actually know about how everything fundamentally works i love that so good i love it It's good. We're learning shit all the time. We're learning brain stuff all the time. We're learning to question things all the time. I'm into it. I'm into it. And I'm also into when, uh, when, when one scientist has beef with the entire community. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I know I may be, listen, it doesn't sound like there was a lot of beef there, but believe me for a scientist that was soon over going ham. The, he, the dude spent four years stapling sensors onto mouse brains. You know, he's a, he, he's a wild man. He's a madman. He's not afraid of anything. <laughs> he's looked into the He'll, face of, of doom and gloom and, and come out the other into, side. Uh, yeah. He's, he's looked into the face of tiny, tiny deaths <laughs> and came out unafraid. Just, just the tiniest, ki- tiniest little deaths. Um, year three of not being able to staple the thing under the mouse brain you're like oh i gotta just gotta keep at it 
<laughs> you know, I got to keep, keep I, trying, I guess. I can't even do something interesting for three years straight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Think about how, think about how hard it is to get people to like commit to a game night. And we all agree uh, game night's fun. So fun. So much more we fun all admit than a game night's fun. Torturing mice. Yeah. And then imagine your job is to like, hopefully one day stick a, stick a pinpoint to a mouse in the <laughs> exactly the right place to get a reading. Yeah. You have to do it every day for four years. <laughs> Rough, and people man. won't even show up to fucking play Catan. <laughs> and it's universally agreed upon that Catan is fun. Universally. Come on. Come on, give me some brick for some sheep. Come on. Uh, thank you to Cahoots. Yeah. For good just story. being randomly chosen with a good story this week again. So Real good weird. Story. Real good story. Uh, if you want to submit a story, you can, of course, do so in the Discord that we were talking about before. We've got a ton of other stuff going on in the Discord. Of course, you can talk about episodes. Of course, uh, you can submit science news, but we've got all kinds of other stuff, too. We've got, a, we've got a beautiful channel where people just show off all of their pets, and I love that. We've got a great channel that's just uh, for bird pranks. Mm. We talk about them on the show, but There's more real. than we can talk about. There's more. There's the volume of bird pranks is shocking and i think we're the only people keeping track of it our discord is ever vigilant on the case and i I don't think that anyone else is doing the real work here in this Mm -hmm. field uh and it's important work and if you'd like to be a part of it you can do so by heading to patreon.com slash we have concerns. You get access to the Discord for a buck a month. Uh, you can also uh, up that pledge a little bit more if you'd like to and get other things like uh, bonus episodes, early episodes, uh, all kinds of little extras. Uh, more and more as you give more, you get more in return. So check it out if you've been enjoying the show. Patreon.com slash we have concerns. Jeff. Anthony. Have you yet said to your children that they're giving you gray hair are they old enough I mean, have you said that to them that. yet they're they're squeezing the very life essence out of me no 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 no. we're that's you and i are talking right now and we assume that uh, but i'm saying have you said the parental thing that parents say you're giving me gray hair no i haven't said those words but those words have been said about me in their presence people have looked Family members have told my kids, look at your father. You're giving him gray hair, which is sort of a twofer insult, you know? Yeah, that's they think they're being they think they're being cool and they're being buddy buddy with you. But that's actually a real dick thing to do because it's 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 like it's like one of those cartoon things where like you backhand somebody and then on the way back, you hit somebody else's face. Yeah. It's the three stooges you know? thing. Yeah. Where uh, yeah. Mo is hitting Larry and Curly, you know? Yeah. Everybody's just lined up and they're, and they're just doing it. Uh, <laughs> but we've always said that. Right. And then it's like, Oh, or if you see somebody, you see a friend and they have some gray hairs and it's like, and you're like, Oh man, you're getting a little gray. And they're like, Oh, it's been a stressful year or yeah. uh, like that. We have always assumed that gray hair is connected to stress. Oh, it's gotta be, right? I mean, obviously some of it's age, but right. I We're can't talking imagine. this one plus one equal two stuff again though, right? It We're does just seem like, like that though. Are you, are you gonna blow my mind to tell me that gray hair is not stress related? Actually, Jeff, I'm gonna reverse blow your mind and tell you <laughs> We just found out that it's definitely stress related. <laughs> Somebody was observing me uh, in my life and went, oh, 
Jeff yeah. has been very stressed out. There is somebody looks. who's been there's been somebody who's been watching the show, <laughs> and uh, they get the video version of the show. They're a patron, and yeah. when they every time they watch it, they do a count of hair. Yeah. Of your gray hairs and how many times you mention your kids. Oh. And they're just watching as it happens. Yeah. No, uh, it, 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 makes, <laughs> it all adds up. It all adds up. Uh, um, this is a study that was done at Columbia University uh, because. Oh, Columbia something- representing both stories this week. Yeah. Columbia is going hard on basically anything above the neck. <laughs> Any above the neck science Columbia is at the forefront of. How many mice did they have to kill to find and, out about the gray and hair And really, thing? above the mouth, too. It's all, it's all nose up at Columbia. It really is. Um, <laughs> the head researcher is just, a, is just a, a man with an eye patch and an iron jaw. <laughs> I mean, head researcher is what you said. Oh! <laughs> walk into the ocean. Um, so we never knew this for sure. We never knew this. We knew that as we get older, just like you said, our hair follicles stop making melanin. And as they stop making melanin, our hair goes gray. Mm-hmm. We know that. Yeah. Uh, but we, we get way more attractive and we get like super attractive and it's super dope. And yeah. I've been wanting to have gray, an entire head of gray hair since the, since I was 10 years old. Do you know that? <laughs> have I said that before? Is that true? It's very true. When I was 10 years old, I was like, I can't wait. And I thought it was 30. I thought everything happened at 30. <laughs> I thought, I can't wait until I'm 30 because uh, I'll be a grown adult in my dream job uh, doing all the cool things that I ever want to do. At exactly 30, this all happens. Uh, yeah. And then also, uh, I'll, have a, I'll have cool gray hair. <laughs> what a disappointment life must be for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And thank you for acknowledging it. It makes me, that actually makes me feel seen. Um, But we've also heard these stories of people losing like young people like, oh, like, and it's done in movies and TV so much too. Uh, You get into a car, you get into a car accident or you witness a murder and all of a sudden you've got like a shock of white hair. Yes. That's why they call it a shock. I think. Right. It's a shock of white hair Yeah, because it's because it's based on a traumatic or stressful event. Right. Right. Um, and like, or you, or you develop the ability to steal someone's powers with a kiss or a brush of your skin against skin. It's any contact. It's any physical contact. Yeah. But, but if you could do it through any physical contact, why not just smooch everybody? You gotta do the smooches. Just, why not way. just do smooches on everybody? I mean, I would tell people that's the only way I can use my powers and then yeah. I'd still wear the gloves. Oh no, the I gloves, can't, there's nothing I can do. The gloves are just an affectation. I need to kiss yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, you could. You'll you'll need my you'll need some of my super strength, Rogue, in order to do this. Okay, I'll have to kiss you. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just we'll just have to the like a long is. smooch. The more smooch, the more strength. <laughs> um, but these, you know, we we've, we've also been like, oh, but these are kind of they're kind of folk tales. Like we kind of know it, but they're always considered like, eh, correlation, causation, whatever. But recently we've been doing animal studies once again in mice the mice are fine yeah we're just they're just scaring them and putting them under a lot of stress to see if we can get them to get gray hairs and we can't distinguished now (laughs) just yeah scaring the shit out of mice (laughs) yeah we're not even putting like look we're not even putting a sensor in for this one we're just (laughs) fucking them up yeah 
We all you got to do to be a scientist is walk into a cage full of mice every morning when it's when it's dark when they're asleep and just fucking bang on it with a wooden <laughs> with a wooden spoon. Just and then you're doing some mice out. Listen, as long as you write down what you observe after you do it, anything you do is science. <laughs> just walking into the mouse cage and being like, you know what housing prices are like? You're, you're never going to afford your own home. Mouse. You're going to be living in this multi-unit m- mice cage, mouse <laughs> cage for your entire life. It's yeah. Yeah. And how much have you put away for retirement? Probably not enough. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the yeah, old two homes Canada over here. <laughs> two, I don't have two homes. I barely have one. I, in fact, I have, were, as of a week from now, I have zero homes. You actually have zero homes. <laughs> I'm a renter. I will become immediately a renter of my own home. <laughs> formerly my own home <laughs> good lord we don't have time to get into it again but if you're a patron you've heard about it um, but so yeah we've we've seen that look this actually happens we can mice can go through stress whether it's physical mental emotional uh and they will wind up getting gray hair um so but you know but the thing is mice aren't people yes that's the thing Yet, although I'm trying to do the science that will make them people, yeah. I've read many, many, many legends of of the Rat King. <laughs> <laughs> and though, though some people say the Rat King must be defeated, mm-hmm. I disagree, and I feel like the Rat King must be exalted. It, well, King's right. In, number one, King's right in the Rat King's name, so yeah. obviously it must be exalted. But number two, in order to destroy the Rat King, you must first create the Rat King. This is the Rat King paradox. <laughs> this is what it is. Uh, but there was a new study published this week in the journal eLife, um, which sounds like a scam. It's not one of the better named journals, but it seems <laughs> legit. Uh, it was led by researchers from Columbia University. And love, they are. I love that it, it would be if it's actually, uh, you know, originally was like evolutionary life or, you know, like E is yeah. a completely different. Uh, evolutionary uh, life quarterly. If that's what it was, we yeah. would be like, oh, it's the yeah. it's the respected journal evolutionary life quarterly. And like, no, this is E life with a lower. But Jeff, it's a lowercase E. God damn it. Come on, E life. And then an upper and then an uppercase L like come on that's that's not good i don't believe in that like you know that's not like the royal society you know what i mean to get they're trying to reach the kids in 1997 they're trying to be a cool they're trying to do cool cool kid science yeah they're trying to be like a a skateboarding dinosaur in a hawaiian shirt telling (laughs) you like hey kids it's cool science news don't worry about it Cool science news (laughs) (laughs) uh so <laughs> none of us have gray hair kids come come read come our on. Cool science news hello fellow teens <laughs> all uh, right so what, the, what did they find so the hair that's on our head is obviously not alive right it's yeah. um it's pushed out by the hair follicles underneath our skin uh and they basically were able to collect and compare tiny slices of single hair strands from a bunch of volunteers uh they use them like the rings inside a tree Oh, cool. Showing like the health of the follicle as it creates the strand over time, right? Because it creates it in there. It's like protein layers in this strand. Like sediment in a mountain. So you can see by looking at these like little microscopic rings, you can see the health and the status of the pigmentation. That was the day my kid threw himself off the the swing set and nearly died. Mm -hmm. I remember that day. Look, it's discolored. And this is something that's interesting. Uh, Martin Picard, who was one of the authors of the study, 
Engage. This is a piece of engage. This is a piece of equipment that I think is fucking awesome. They're like, if you use your eyes and you just look at a strand of your hair, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to look at this strand of your hair. And if you haven't like dyed it or colored it or whatever, you're going to look at it and be like, yeah, it's all the same color. This one strand is the same color. Right. But they look at it under an insanely high resolution scanner to look for the tiniest variations in the pigment of the hair. And apparently your hair changes pigment like in in micrometers. Wow. Like there's subtle variations in the color of your hair all the way down. Your hair color tells a story. The story it does. of you. Wow. Here at eLife, <laughs> we want to help you tell that story. See, it seems like a scam. <laughs> it does. It feels feels uh feels bad. Um so they were looking at it and they were like, okay, while we look at the length of your hair, we're also gonna have you fill out a stress diary. Cool. And rate your stress. So this is not, you know, one to one. This is not one of the most like and it yeah. wasn't like these people had brain sensors like these mice right. and they were like, That's okay, that subjective. was a high it's yeah. subjective, but they noted that um on higher stress days they could see lightening of the pigmentation of the hair. And if enough high stress days happened in a row, the hair did indeed lighten basically almost permanently. Now, is there any theorizing as to why this would be evolutionarily important? I don't think it's evolutionary important as much as it is. Look, any stress physical, mental, emotional on the machine of your body. We're meat machines, right? Right. You get injured and sometimes you don't heal back a hundred percent. And I think that's what this is as opposed to being evolutionarily, uh, uh, beneficial. This is just sort of part of the human machine. So why would there, that only happen in certain strands, right? It's not like you have this, entire uh sedimentary layer of hair that yeah. turns white only certain patches of it will happen you know i would i would have to imagine they don't really go into it uh but i would have to imagine like probably certain follicles of your hair are hardier and healthier in mm. some way than the yeah. other ones and they're more susceptible to injury um you know just like uh any other part of your body like maybe you're just like oh this this hand is a little bit like this you know what i mean like yeah. not every not every follicle is exactly the same yeah. um but it what does they seem found, to be the case right that that there are certain areas of the scalp that seem mm-hmm. to be more susceptible to it right our, our oh, temples oh that's gray. also true yeah 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 that, oh okay i thought you were talking right? about just like the randomness of it but no that that's a good point like your temples tend to gray like yeah. and it gets and that gets more, that gets more solidly gray. Whereas, like you know, the top of your head does get a little salt and pepper first usually. Right. That's I fascinating. That, I wonder if that has anything to do with the distribution of follicles or how how densely, uh, you know, populated the follicles yeah. are in different or sections where, of the or skull. Or where stress is felt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you think about when I think about headaches and stress headaches, you know, I do tend to think of them in the temples and around, you know, around the back of my skull. Like that's, that's where I think a lot of people feel stress. And so I wonder if that has something to do with it too. Um, they don't really go into it. They were mostly looking to see if stress does change the hair color. And this is very interesting, Jeff. Listen to this. The correlation goes both ways. Quote, there was one individual who went on vacation and five hairs on that person's head 
reverted back to dark during the rec- during the vacation, synchronized wow. in time, all at once. What? A removal of stress can also remove uh, uh, prematurely gray hair. Huh. You know what? We we I've said this several times over the course of this show, lifespan of the show. We do not have any conception of how much stress affects our physiology. Like, Absolutely I think not. it is the number one thing that we just don't really wrap our brains around about how Mm-mm. pervasive and impactful stress is on the human experience. Oh, uh, negative emotional stress is, I mean, I, I think we're starting to look into it, but I can tell you there is a physical component in the body. I mean, like it's, you know, there's, there's this, there's this book. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's called the body keeps the score. It's mm-hmm. mostly used in therapy, but it's about how, uh, how trauma can cause physical stuff in your body. Right, right. And it's, and what that is, is even if you don't remember the trauma or feel anything for the trauma anymore, physically you feel these things in your body, but also like there are, uh, so I, you know, uh, the, the, the concerned citizens will know I take uh, many pills from my from my brain to keep my brain going, and one of them is uh, a combination depression, anti depression, anti anxiety. And if I don't take that pill, I actually feel physically achier. And that's not um, it, it, it's not a dependency on the pill or anything like that. It is simply when you are under stress, you are in more pain. Yeah, physically you are in more pain. Yeah. And it's something that we have been blowing off as a society yeah. for ever. We ignore it at our peril. I, I really believe that. And I feel like as my life has gotten more stressful with kids and houses and adult adult stuff. Old two homes. I have zero homes. Zero. <laughs> I have zero homes. In fact, I will be if, if there is a very real possibility that I and my family will be homeless in a month. <laughs> Uh, cause you can't stay here. There's people moving yeah, in, but <sighs> got to rent something or go somewhere or do something. You got anyway, to do something. You got to do something. That's a it's whole causing, other thing. It's causing gray hair is what I'm saying. Uh, it's causing the gray. And I, it, it is, it is so clear to me that the health issues that I've had in recent years, it's all tied to stress. It's all tied yeah. to it and sleep and all these things that I think we as a culture are just barely coming around to reckoning with but there isn't really any way there isn't any any comprehensive view of it right mm-hmm. it's it's in tiny little pockets of like oh yeah you know stress is probably causing that or you have stress back pain or stress but i feel like we have an entire medical community that is focused on these these symptoms and these problems and it's like patch the problem fix the problem but the pro- the problem is so much earlier than any of the symptoms that we go to the doctor to, to heal. It, it, it is all, I really truly believe that so much of the things that go wrong in our bodies is a result of just stressful lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, there was a big, there was a big shift in the, uh, 
in sort of the early part of the last century, particularly like, like after World War One or like right around World War One, where we switched from naturopathic medicine to the sort of modern medicine that we know today. And listen, the modern medicine that we know today fucking crushes. We're sure, killing it. Of course. It. It's yeah. amazing. Like there was, listen, back in the day, somebody with all of my brain troubles would have been told number one, smile. And number two, a little <laughs> more hard work wouldn't hurt you. Yeah. If I really went to see somebody and was like, I just can't get out of this. They would tell me to chew on some fucking plant or right? maybe, uh, maybe like, some electricity through your skull yeah or maybe electricity (laughs) through my skull um but you know we we have sort of uh and and this is something that we're bouncing back to now like the height of antidepressant and uh antipsychotic medication uh was uh prescribed in the 90s yeah and we're slowly we're slowly ratcheting back down from that and being like hey brain chemistry is only part of this We've got you, like a lot of doctors now, like in the 90s and early part of uh, the last decade, doctors would just be like, oh yeah, are you depressed? Like, great, here's an antidepressant. Or do you feel like, oh, you can't pay attention to things? Well, you probably have ADHD. Here's fucking Ritalin or Adderall. And they would just give it out. And now a lot of doctors are, like most doctors are just like, I'll prescribe you this, but you also have to go to therapy. And if you stop going to therapy, I will stop prescribing you this. Right. Because we aren't dealing with, these stresses and these emotional things. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a huge deal. It's a huge, it huge deal. It seems to me like such a, such a, uh, pointed example of that to say, literally your hair will ungray itself. If Isn't you that just, wild? if you just calm the fuck down, you know? So they did say <laughs> that obviously there are limitations to this. You know, once you reach right. a certain age, um, that, that sort of switch switches and it's, it's flipped, you know, right. it's almost yeah, like there's, certain, no, there's nothing so, you can do at a certain point. Yeah. It's like certain epigenetic switches, right? Where it's like, yeah. if you flip them in childhood and you don't unflip them before a certain age, they become almost impossible to unflip in adulthood. It's yeah. sort of like that. They're like, look, if you, if we reduce stress, this is a quote, if we reduce stress in a 70 year old, who's been gray for years, that's not going to darken their hair right. and increasing stress in a 10 year old is not going to tip their hair to be gray. Right, right. Although this we should definitely try it. We should stress out some 10-year-olds and see what happens. <laughs> Dude, imagine, okay, imagine your son, but brilliant, brilliant, fucking cool-ass looking white anime hair. <laughs> I mean, he would look pretty baller. He'd look pretty baller, right? Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, so I'm going to come to your house, uh, one of the two houses, every every morning before he wakes up, and I'm just going to bang on his window with a wooden spoon. Smart. I love this. And plan. we're going we're gonna to see if the stress yeah, will give him cool anime wear, hair. Wear a hockey mask and uh, yeah, yeah, stand yeah, yeah, outside yeah. the window and bang in when he opens the shutters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he opens the shutters, I'll just point and be like, you. <laughs> and then I'll run away. Yeah. No, it's great. This is awesome. I'll do it I every like this day. plan. Yeah. An important just, part of the plan is that you cannot, you, you have to tell him you don't believe him. I would. Yes. You, Jeff, I, <laughs> you must gaslight your son in but, order for this to but, work. You must gaslight your child. Yeah. But the end result is that he has <laughs> kick ass white anime hair. Together, we can make this happen together. We can gaslight your children. Certain things are worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Certain things. Listen, 
And that's that's something that somebody who used to gaslight me would tell me all the time. He's like, hey, some things are worth being gaslit over. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know about that. There'll be one day Uh, when he when he's like, you know, everybody's taking pictures of his cool hair. He's going to turn to me and be dad. Thank you. I do think about he will. Number one, he will. And number two, I do think about friends in my life who have who have you know, gotten into one sort of rat race or another, you know, I knew a, a lot of people who were in the, uh, particularly like in the, in the startup grind, you know, when I was yeah. living in, in SF and these were, these were young people and, uh, wound up with like so many health problems and literally just getting out of that line of work if they were able to. Yes. And like pulling it back and like, not even, I'm not even like massive change in diet, massive change in lifestyle, massive change, like just exercising all the time, just literally getting rid of that stress that they were putting on themselves. Yeah. Physically transform them. Yeah. And I look forward to a day 22 to 27 years from now when your children are no longer, uh, dependent on you and you will, uh, have just a tiny bit less stress in your life. Now, will you be over the 70 year old mark that they, that, Picard was talking about here. I'll be just shy of it, but you know, it'll be, we might be able to turn some back. (laughs) That would be so great. My son will be living off his, uh, white hair modeling money and Mm -hmm. I will be uh, able to just sort of live the easy life, uh, and ungray myself. You know, the other thing that pisses me off, Anthony is that I have friends who are as, uh, as old as I am, went to high school with them or college with them. Mm-hmm. More older, you know, like I was on the low end of my year. I was like you know, August birthday. So I was you know, the youngest kid in my class, basically. Same. So these are people that are, you know, even months older than me, almost a year older than me. Not a damn gray hair in their head. And it, is it because they're just living this stress free, beautiful life? Do you think they're I mean, gray and they're and they're dying and they're not telling you? Maybe I have a, I have definitely have one friend who I would be shocked if he was dying yeah, uh, because he's just not that guy at all. Yeah, uh, and he just he just look he looks so young. He has a swath of just auburn brown hair that don't won't quit. You know, and I don't. But you understand look like it. a cool wizard. You look like a cool detective. You look like a supernatural detective now. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. I do, but I also look 400 years old like a wizard. You know. Uh I just I don't know, like, man. I just feel, yeah, you know. I feel like, and this is, and this is, this is not me blowing smoke because, uh, you know, I don't care how you feel, but, um, <laughs> I, I do think, I do think, I think you look a lot cooler. I think you look a lot cooler than you did, you know, six, seven years ago when I first moved here and we first started doing this. And you're well, like, I think you, I think you're a cooler <laughs> looking. I think you look cool, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I think some bar, people look, bar, I think, but, I think some people just look fucking cool with a little bit of gray hair. Right, and I think you look fucking that. cool, man. Well, I appreciate you saying, you know, the good news is my wife thinks that and that's really all mm-hmm. that matters. She, she likes the gray. So, uh, see, that's the important part. There you go. Yeah. You need to get yeah. out of your fucking, listen, when you move to your second house in Colorado <laughs> and you're away from all this LA bullshit, you're going to be like, God damn, I look cool with my, with my hair. Cause I think it's but connected then, to the actor thing. Yeah. You know what I the mean? I think this king. I, yeah. 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 I think it's just connected to that in your brain. The That's thing, all. The, iro- the irony, Alex, oh, Alex, why did I just call you Alex? The irony, Anthony, is that no, no, no. I, I'm the other, I'm the other shrill one with the voice of a child. 
You're thinking of the blonde one that's shrill with the voice of a child. <laughs> I'm the one true. with the dark hair. You guys confused all the time. No, I don't. Uh, the irony is that I will be so much less stressed then, all the gray will go away. And just as I'm accepting it, because I'll be so much less stressed out, it'll just all uh, go back to being black and I'll be, uh, you know, self defeating. Let me tell you something. Number one, I think you're too old for that to happen. <laughs> oh, that's good. And number two, uh, <laughs> I think, I think. You're going to look super dope in your fucking mountain town with one of those vests, you oh. know, the puffy vests. Can I tell you, I already bought one. I have no oh. reason to wear it now, but I'm going to wear it. I already bought I feel I like a Patagonia vest. Fucking yes, mm-hmm. dude. Come on, my dude. Listen, you're a, you are definitely like a, like a puffy vest guy over a oh. Henley. That, a puffy vest over the, a Henley? Come on. And that is where the gray and the beard are just going to... It's all going to be... It's just going to synergize so beautifully with the vest. Mm. What color vest did you get? Tell me you got it like a baby blue. Oh, baby blue would be good. No, it's more like a navy. It's more like a Oh, like that's a still going to be good. That's yeah. still going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be great. Throw a little orange into that too. Man, oh, you're going you to so, you're gonna be such a good... You got to have yeah. a little orange. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going to be wearing uh, I'm going to be wearing skinny jeans and penny boarding for the next 30 years in L.A. and just saying, how do you do fellow kids for as long as I can? Uh, yeah. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week. Yeah, we've learned a lot been, about uh, it's been a delight ourselves. having you. Hopefully you've enjoyed yourself and realized that, hey, there's value in this show for me. Maybe I should, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, give a little value back to the fine fellas that are making the show. It's so easy to do that. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash we have concerns. So simple to just throw us a couple of bucks, you know, every month. So easy. It'll give you the access easiest to the Discord. thing in the world to do is give us money. And I There's keep trying easier. to tell people that I keep trying to tell everyone I pass on the street. The easiest thing to do is just give me money. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's simple, simple. We make it as easy as we can, honestly. There's an 80% chance that whatever you're doing right now is harder than giving me money. That's right. Get in on this. Come on, get on the, Get down on Easy Street where <laughs> you, you give us money. Uh, and you get something in return. We're not just taking your money for nothing. No, no, no. no. The not value, your chicks for free. <laughs> the value that you, you see in the show is validated. That's great. But you get cool stuff too, including- That's right. Access to the Discord, bonus audio, extra stuff to listen to, all those cool stories that we reference in the show that you haven't heard. We recorded them. You just probably haven't heard them. Uh, you can Sorry, get access suckers. to those. Yeah. Uh, there's what else is in Anthony? There's uh, hangouts. There's uh, there's uh, we so basically uh, anytime we have a guest, there's a bonus Q&A episode with oh, the yeah. guest. And all of those are archived and backed up. So everybody from our first guest all the way to our most recent guest is there. I mean, we've had some really wonderful people. Travis McElroy, uh, Trisha Hirschberger, uh, Justin Robert Young, Greg, Greg Miller. Miller. Uh, uh, we've had, who else? Uh, we've had uh, Tom Merritt. Uh, Tom Merritt. We've had so we've, many people. So many people. Dr. Kiki Sanford. Uh, all of these people. Uh, we have their Q&As and their bonus episodes up. You can access that anytime as a patron. If you want to find out how to do that stuff, patreon.com slash concerns. And we'll see you next week. 